feel like the key thing for marriage is forgiveness. If you can't remember anything else, if you're like caught up in, you know, the day to day and like you're just on overload, if we can just remember to forgive each other because we know that we're going to be sinning against each other and to expect that. And I feel like that's a countercultural message. Hello, this is Pastor John. And this is Pastor Tim. And also some honored guests. You guys are supposed to introduce yourself now. Oh, my name is Kelly. I'm Megan. And these are our wives. Yeah, they're the most beautiful guests we will ever have on this show. This is true. Uh, So this is Every Moment His. It's a podcast devoted to uh, how the gospel impacts our daily lives. And today we're talking about marriage. And rather than just having two dudes talk about marriage... We thought we would have our wives come in and talk about marriage because... Because um, we're married. We're married. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Makes sense. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's the plan. So uh, usually we um, we start out with a dad joke. Now, I get tired of dad jokes. <laughs> oh, do you? Pastor Tim has a problem <laughs> with... Unending dad unending jokes. Unending dad jokes. <laughs> so. But is there such a thing as mom jokes? Um, No. I don't think so. I think we're just funny all the time yeah. in situations. So Such that's as. our humor. <laughs> yeah. Cool. No, you well, have to just voice. hang out. Yeah, there is. There's mom a mom jokes. voice. Yeah. I thought maybe like there's no mom jokes sometimes like when you get home from work, like, like, and the kids have been crazy. There's no jokes. It's just, <laughs> it's mom voice it's time. Mom voice. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. We got stuff to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, one question I had for you guys, just as we begin, just a little small talk is, um, are there any podcasts that you guys listen to on a regular basis? Yeah. I listen to the office ladies a lot, especially it just started like in the fall of last year. I listen to that. I listen to The Happiness Project by Gretchen Rubin. Risen Motherhood is a really good one, but it's really heavy. It really always hits me in the heart, so I actually Mm. have to take breaks from it sometimes. But it's good if anybody wants to check that out. I also like Risen Motherhood. That's a good one. I also like Life in Relationship by Heidi Gaiman. So you guys are podcast pros. You you know the podcast world. Yeah. Yes. What about this one? Do you ever listen to this one? I do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But not all the time. (laughs) Did you give us five stars? Oh, no, I actually haven't. I that's yeah. I should I guess we haven't been asking people to do that. Yeah. I forget that that's a good thing. Just figure it's just for Holy Cross. That would be good. Yeah, we'll do that Mm -hmm. after this. (laughs) Right after. Mm -hmm. Right after. Because we want to support you, our husbands, in Mm -hmm. what you're doing. Yeah. So we were talking before we started here that you guys have theology degrees too, you ladies. Mm-hmm. You also yes. have theology degrees. Tell us a little bit about that, getting a theology degree, and what that was like and how that's helped you out. That helped me understand the big picture of the Bible, um, the full narrative of Scripture. I just loved diving into the context of the Bible and what people were like back then. It helped me understand. It helped bring Scripture to light once you know a little bit more about the historical pieces. Mm-hmm. Of the Bible. Great. And that was mm-hmm. at Concordia in Seward. 
Yes. With us. Yep. Yeah, we were all there. That's right. And I don't have a degree in theology specifically. My degree is in secondary education, but my two subject majors are history and theology. Oh, okay. So I took a lot of the similar classes as the DCEs or the pre-SEM people. So, yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. It was very, yeah, very enlightening, deep under a much deeper understanding of scripture when you're getting that wisdom from the professors. I really appreciated that. Yeah, I felt like just being forced to read the scripture together and mm-hmm. talk about it and contemplate it. You know, it's not something you maybe would do on your own mm-hmm. without that yeah. discipline and structure. So I think, yeah, it was really enlightening. And there, shout out to Concordia yeah. um, University yeah. in Nebraska here because they have some really great professors. Yeah, they really do. I, I think that I went into my time at Concordia kind of set in my ways and my beliefs, and it was interesting to be challenged and to really think critically about things. Um, it was a little uncomfortable at times, but it was good. Uh, so how long have we been married in each of our relationships here? We just... Similar time. Right? 13. Right? Yeah. yeah, 13 for <laughs> us too. But you guys will, will beat us. You'll run ahead of us a little bit. And be 14 married for 14 in years in, yep, in so December. 14 right? years in, in December. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, we were 13 years in, in May. May. Yeah. yeah. And you guys had a fun wedding. Yeah, yeah we were there. Wedding. Yeah, right. We uh, actually. <laughs> that was my 21st birthday. Qu- yeah, so, yeah, a little <laughs> bit of irony here because when we were married, we were pretty young, and Megan was. I was 20. And <laughs> yeah, so she was we, underage. We couldn't have, like, a th- even alcohol at our reception or anything and kelly our good friend comes on our 21st birthday (laughs) which is the same date (laughs) right right it was important we did go out after the wedding as expected blizzard too wasn't there like a blizzard threatened yeah yes it did we had to shovel out our reception hall um i had one relative at the wedding because there was maybe, oh, I don't know, th- like two and a half feet of snow yeah. in a couple days, and it turned into ice. It was really, really nasty. Wow. Colorado blizzard, 2006. Yep. So <laughs> we have a good story to tell. At least it wasn't COVID, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you could, there's yeah. A, some people still that. made it. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> I think prefer so? the blizzard to COVID, absolutely. Oh, we yeah. had a pastor tell us, all you need for a wedding is pizza and a pastor, <laughs> which was great. I think it helped it me. Took that put, to heart. Yeah, it did help me put my that priorities. That is true. Yeah. In line, okay, okay, we're gonna get married. We need pa- pastor and yeah, pizza. that is true. And he was the only flight who made it in without any issues. Yeah, the pastor, so that was good. Wow. We're taking Megan's uh, pastor growing up, and he had come from Texas, mm-hmm. and yeah, he was the only flight that made it in. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> so as we uh, move along here, we just thought we would toss out some questions. Uh, just for us to discuss, and we really want to hear from you guys, too, uh, related to marriage. And so I'm going to start us out with our first one. Um, Who has been a good model of Christian married life to you? I think my parents have been a wonderful role model. They have been married 38 years, I think, and they they work as a team so well. Um, and th- they worship just about every Sunday together. And that has been a great role model for us in how they work together. Yeah, for sure. They've provided stability in their marriage for 
my brother and I and for other people who have visited the house. Actually, for me too, right? They kind of adopted me. Mm-hmm. And they've become definitely role models for me too. But even when I was, we've, I've known their family for a long time. So even when I was, you know, an idiot in high school, they were pretty cool <laughs> to me. <laughs> um, what about this one? Um, over the years, what has been something that God has taught you exclusively through your marriage? So like just a lesson you've learned about your own faith, about life uh, through your marriage in particular. Well, um, I was talking to Megan about this earlier that I feel like, you know, when you read scripture, God is oftentimes compared to the groom and his people are the bride. And when you read the story of scripture, it is a rocky (laughs) relationship. Mm -hmm. It has a lot of downs, ups, you know, when, whenever God redeems the situation and brings them up out of something that was kind of something they got themselves into. Um, and so to be married, I feel like I kind of have a picture of, of who God is better. Um, just being in that relationship and understanding how, you know, marriage isn't an easy thing to experience and you're married to a, a sinful person. But then when you look at scripture and you see how perfect of a groom God is to his people, I think that just kind of brings out hit that characteristic for me a little bit more. Hmm. Is it kind of like if, if God can love me, if God can love us, then I can love this other person? That can definitely be something that I think of when I read the scriptures. I mean... But then, you know, there's some parts of scripture like Hosea, I think of when God calls him to take a, an unfaithful prostitute as a wife, knowing that she's going to stray from their marriage a mm-hmm. lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's being called to like continually go after her. I don't know that that's necessarily a model of how we can survive, you know, as, as fallible human people, you know, that would, that's an amazing, we hear stories like that of forgiveness between, you know, present day couples that have experienced unfaithfulness and they are able to forgive and work through that. But so I guess I, I just see that sometimes I see it as, yeah, I can, I can forgive John for this thing. Cause it's not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> right. But also I think it just points you know, me more to who the characteristic of God and how actually different he is than Mm. we are Mm. to each other. And that's amazing. So in the story in Hosea, Hosea takes a prostitute to be his wife and God calls him to, tells him to do this. Her name is Gomer. I think it's Gomer. It's like, it's Gomer. Gomer. Oh, sure. She's French. (laughs) Oh, sure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So he takes this wife and she continually returns to her prostitution. And, you know, at, yeah, I think I really resonate with what you're saying because it's like, man, if anything close to that happened in our relationship, it would be devastating. That pain would be so intense. Right. Mm-hmm. And God just bears that pain. And Jose is this word picture for how God is um, being treated by Israel. Right. And yet his faithfulness remains. And that's mind blowing. It is. Yep. Yeah. So I think that's, yeah, that's kind of a beautiful 
beautiful picture and it does make it's a stretch our imaginations for what love actually should be right mm-hmm. yeah it wasn't like israel was god's soulmate you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so they much. complete each other <laughs> before anyone else yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, do we want to continue with that question or move on to another one? I think being married has helped me understand the Trinity a little mm-hmm. bit more. Um, just how God exists in relationship. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and those three in one and just the dance of relationship mm-hmm. that they have. Um, and then you look at the dance of relationship we have in marriage and our different roles and um, navigating those waters. And so it, and even though you have different roles, like they're not lesser, they're all important and complementary. And, um, so just that dance of relationship and how the father exists in how Mm -hmm. the God exists in relationship. And so that's helped me understand Mm -hmm. relationship a bit better and roles. Mm -hmm. And that scripture, is it Ecclesiastes that's a cord of three strands is not easily broken. That's kind of, yeah. A, yeah. Uh, I think that's a common marriage verse. Yeah. I think that was probably at our wedding. I think we just but got it from Hobby Lobby. We did just get it from Hobby Lobby too. <laughs> so maybe that's why it's Put on it my on mind. The wall. But yeah. that's, a, that's the other, <laughs> that's the other, yeah, that reminds me of the Trinity too, is that mm-hmm. there's the Trinity, but then also your marriage isn't just two people. It's Mm -hmm. three people because it's God himself in it, too. Do you have anything like that, Pastor John? Any kind of verses that really became more vivid through your experience of marriage? Uh, I think of Philippians, thinking back to that sermon series on Philippians, that, uh, that you should count others as more important than yourselves and look out not only for your own interests, but the interests of others. And that's in Philippians, too, but then... Also, just that whole Ephesians 5, the husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. I mean, I can't claim that I've figured that one out or even lived that perfectly, but every day it's new. I mean, every day kind of figuring out, well, what does it mean today to love Kelly the way that Jesus loves the church? And as I kind of think about that, it makes me appreciate Jesus' love for me because I can think about my love for my wife, but... But then it makes me think of how Christ's love is much greater than that. And I have to draw from that love um, to love well. So um, that's a a big one for me. I think that same passage, like he talks about, no one ever um, hurts hurts his his own body, hates his own body, Mm -hmm. but nourishes and cares for it. And and so I think that has helped me think about um, just how... It's just not about me. And because I'm in a marriage, um, if I really want to benefit myself, even, I'm going to benefit my wife because she's part of me. And so it's, just, I don't know, it's just done something to my identity where I'm just a little bit more broad. Like when I talk about myself, I'm talking about us a little bit more mm-hmm. than it used to be. <laughs> it's not just a, you know, this, um, like a tit for tat kind of a, um, business relationship but it's like this yeah symbiosis kind of you know like what you were talking about Megan (laughs) is this kind of dance going on and this complementary kind of the the parts the sum of the parts are greater than them apart yeah so 
Sorry, I can't really talk well when you're staring at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> She's listening so intently. Oh, wow. But so, Tim, I was when, just thinking about how sometimes I use the word we when I want to do tasks or chores. Mm. I'm like, yes, we're, we are going to do this. Yeah, yes, when we are. Like, <laughs> you are going to do this. <laughs> well, we. when, when you guys were expecting, Tim, would you say, like, we're pregnant? As much as I could, yeah. I took as, <laughs> absolutely as much credit as I could for that. <laughs> so uh, we did a, a podcast last week on singleness. And um, what encouragement would you give to singles searching who are like saying, you know, I'm single now, but I don't want to be single forever. I want a spouse. What would you say to them? Really just pour into growing in your relationship with Jesus first. I think that's, Mm -hmm. and then that'll teach you a lot about relationship Um, and invest in a community of believers, like a small group. Um, That's also how we met each other in youth group. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) being a part of a church community um, is also a great way to meet people. But yeah, that's really important that you strengthen your relationship with Jesus first. Yeah, I, going off of that, I think one of the most important things if you're looking for a spouse is to have a shared faith. And by that, I don't think we would say just to find someone who considers themselves a Christian or even who calls himself Lutheran, that um, I think you can experience that on a lot of different levels just because somebody says they're a Christian doesn't mean they're actually actively nourishing their faith or have a prayer life. Um, And not to say, obviously, we've heard a lot of stories of um, couples who have come to faith after they've been married. That happens. But I don't necessarily think that is the direction you should point yourself towards like Mm -hmm. oh I really love this person they don't really have faith or they have a wishy-washy faith or we're not really on the same page maturity wise but you know God will work it out and they'll come around and you know that often doesn't work out well and is a big strain mm-hmm. in the future so it's, it's i would so say it's so tempting though right yeah to like it's like oh there's this great person i oh, will work on the religion stuff you know as we go as and we go yeah missionary dating i think <laughs> called. Yeah, so. yeah and god is yeah. awesome when he does that right. for people and that's all you know to his glory that is amazing but that's not necessarily the direction he calls us to we should look for someone who has a shared faith well and i think that too when when couples meet hard times which all married couples will have hard times you you have to be able to have that one core foundational thing that is true when other things are broken so you can always go back to christ uh and and that's i think the real strength the advantage that christian couples have and 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 i think that couples who maybe have a spouse who's not Christian or, or not really committed, 
there is still that calling to, to hold on to your faith and be committed to it because I, what does Paul says in, is it First Corinthians 7? Uh, yeah, 7. Who knows why if you might win over your husband or husband you might win over your wife. Yeah, so it's, it's not to say that if you are in a marriage or in a relationship that, um, well, especially in a marriage, that you're not supposed to divorce because of that. Right. But yeah, the real issue is if Christ is the absolute center of your heart, and the person you're pursuing does not have that center heart. Like, it's just a recipe for pain and, and possibly disaster, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that's, and I think you should get real about that. You know, you say, is, as we're living life, what's going to be the center of our heart? If you have too many things that are totally different, especially like, who is God? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. oh, or even what do we do on Sunday Every, mornings? Yeah, everything yeah. is going to be an argument and a difference of opinion, so. Yeah, and... Also, the, you had mentioned that is the foundation. I think that you have to be careful as single people or dating that your foundation is not going to be your shared interests or mm. shared activities. Mm. Mm. <laughs> because I think that is some advice that floats around. Find someone who loves the same things mm. you do. No, that's a good friend. <laughs> but for the lifelong, you know, the long haul where your interests are going to change Mm -hmm. and your activities are going to change based on the situations you get into. And then if that was your foundation, oh my gosh, you're (laughs) not going to know what to do. You're not going to know each other anymore. And then if you don't have Christ as your center, you know, there's nothing to guide you back to each other. Yeah. So your, your core better not be Frisbee golf is what you're saying. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And Kelly doesn't like to shoot clay pigeons. Yeah, yeah. She's we have a lot of differing interests, John <laughs> yeah, and I. But we love each other. Yeah, deeply. but we love each other. Like and it's, you don't like beer or coffee. And it's fun though, <laughs> sometimes too, to have you know differing. Yeah. You, we introduce each other to different things sometimes too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. You even introduced me to a good podcast. Which one was that? I like to listen to the Happier podcast. Oh sometimes. yeah, that's fine. Makes me happier. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so what about this question? How about married folks in the midst of struggles? I mean, it's, it's one thing for us as pastors to, to preach and, and to counsel people if they're in, in struggles, but, but I'd love to hear from both of you, what would you say to a, a person who's really on the rocks in their marriage or just having struggles? I think one faster step that I hope people could take was just go out on a date, like find a babysitter, get out on a date, just... Even like a date every week, like try to find those times where you can just connect and get out of the house and get away from the everyday and just go somewhere different, new. new. Um, I think morning and evening check-in points are really good, you know, just to make sure you're on the same page with schedules and so there's less conflict in those things. Um, No phones in bed, (laughs) I think is another one. That's a good one. How yeah. important is that, Megan? Oh, come on. <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> I didn't say that I do it perfectly. I'm working on that one. <laughs> it would be helpful. <laughs> I did not take my yeah. phone in bed at all. By, by the way, we're all in a, a work in progress. <laughs> Absolutely. These are, these are yeah. That's exactly yeah. true. Yeah. Right. Yep. These are things that we're uh, together working mm-hmm. on. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think counseling. I think people think that going to counseling is a bad thing. Some people can still think that. And 
I don't, it's really helped us at, at times going to a counselor together. I think, you know, we meet with, especially during transitional seasons, just mm. to talk to someone, to have somebody on the outside to throw you questions that you can process together. I think yeah. it's been really helpful. Because you can't, you can't really see your own patterns sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so other people can, it's like super obvious, but when you're, you're just in that marriage relationship, you just, it's just like uh, ugly furniture. You just don't see it. You know. Yeah. Our counselor is so encouraging too. So it's like a mm. boost of encouragement every six weeks. Mm-hmm. Just like, Hey, you guys are doing awesome. Keep it up. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's been really helpful too. Yeah. Cheerleader. And that, it might be something, you know, as our generations get a little less connected to the generations before them, for what you know just this breakdown like you, you just don't have families that are like three and four generations everywhere maybe nebraska there's more but i think there's that you know who do i turn to for advice and mentorship and so that role of counselor is fills that pretty well you know mm-hmm. there's people who are really dedicated to helping marriages and and they'll talk to you and they'll help you out and you need that and it might not be mm-hmm. readily available for you and, and also, too, just a little side note, to find a counselor who shares your worldview, so who has a Christian worldview, because, you know, you could go to a therapist or a counselor who would kind of say, well, follow your heart. You know, if you think that your marriage is tough and you want to get out of it, then, then cool. That's the thing to do. There are therapists who will, who will recommend that, and, and so we want to be careful that, that the counselor shares... Uh, your worldview and so um, certainly check in with us if Mm -hmm. if you're looking for one Mm -hmm. we can help you with that yeah and there has you know for a long time been a stigma around going to therapy getting a counselor Um, and I feel like our generation is moving more away from that stigma you know we've been talking our culture talks more about um, you know we know we shouldn't expect everyone to be able to do it on their own. And it's even before you get into crisis mode, it's still good to go to a counselor. You don't have to be in the trenches of like, I don't know how this is going to turn out before mm-hmm. you go to a counselor. You can go to a counselor before that. And I think, yeah, if you can shed that, whatever ask yourself if you have this um, negative opinion about it for some reason and kind of challenge that in yourself and in your marriage that like, hey, it's fine. We can go to a counselor. It's not a big deal. Um, It's not something to be ashamed of and do that proactively. Then I think you can avoid a lot of real serious heartbreak. And um, John and I have gone to a counselor before too. a while ago and you know that was that was helpful I've done my own and you know if we just let go of embarrassment or the feeling of failure like well if I go to a counselor that means I'm such a huge failure or our marriage is a failure Mm -hmm. Um, if we can get away from that and go actively seek that that's amazing because it's very sad when you hear of marriages falling apart and never even trying to go to a Mm -hmm. counselor yeah and I think that sometimes we have this idea that, you know, love should be easy. Hmm. That it right. comes naturally, like this mm-hmm. marriage relationship should come naturally. And then as soon as it doesn't, there must be right. an issue. Like maybe I'm not supposed to be married to you yeah. if this is hard. Like it's attached maybe, to feelings. 
Yeah, yeah. like this person's not my soulmate because if mm-hmm. this person was my soulmate, my yes. plus one forever, like we would just, it would just work. It would just be amazing. And, and, and I wonder if movies kind of contribute to this. Too. Yes, for like, me. Yeah. yeah. I hmm. feel like I've been super influenced by popular culture. I have to fight that. Is this like the, all the, the time. Disney? Yeah. Uh, the Disney syndrome. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's everywhere. Not to just throw Disney under the bus. <laughs> yes, but music. it really is. Yeah, music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, I mean, can you imagine like uh, Princess Anna and uh, what's his name? Kristoff. Kristoff. Them going to marriage counseling because they're so upset <laughs> with each other. They might though, because they're a pretty cool couple. That, yeah, that would be Disney. an amazing Disney short, actually. <laughs> that should be yeah. Yeah. <laughs> couples therapy. Yeah, yeah, they actually could probably use it. So I, I think I'm just hearing that if we change our expectations and we expect instead of it to be perfect and walking off into the sunset all the time, if we expect mm-hmm. it to be dangerous and expect it to be a pain, you know, and which is much more in line with what God tells us about yeah. our own human natures. And if, so if we just change the picture a little bit to, um, you know, we're going to be in for a rocky ride and just expect that, then counseling becomes a no-brainer. It's like, of course I'm going to need help. Of course we're going we're gonna to have to get out of our system and think about mm-hmm. how we're treating each other and communicating. And think about this. You said dangerous, too. Do you know what the devil's opinion is on your marriage? Mm. You know, like if when two Christians are entering a marriage together, yeah, it is actually dangerous. If you think about, Mm. you know, spiritual attack, Satan is going to want to do his best to destroy your marriage. So almost maybe you could look at your struggles that you're experiencing and you can say, hmm, we must be really threatening to Satan and you can trust God. He's got you because... Satan is not going to overcome God and turn to him, but then to also know like, Hey, you know, if, if, if everything was going right, maybe that's, you know, Satan just sitting back and me like, eh, eh, that's gonna just dissolve on its own. I don't need to work on it. I think there's a special brand of crazy that happens on Sunday mornings when you're trying to get out the door, going to church. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder sometimes if that's Satan at work, you know, you just like it. trying to mess with your, your family before you go, because that's another thing that, struggling couples or even couples that aren't struggling like it's so important to worship together and pray together and do devotions at home um you had mentioned the tim and kathy keller's book the meaning of marriage yeah we've been doing their devotional the companion Mm -hmm. devotional with that the meaning of marriage devotional we really like that they ask them some good challenging questions in there Mm -hmm. and um, to help us think about our relationship and our faith Um, but it's so important to take that satan and get into church. Yeah, We're going to church anyway. That reminds, <laughs> uh, reminds me of, uh, I listen to the Fierce, Fierce Marriage podcast uh, from time to time. And um, it, it's really good, by the way. I recommend it to anybody, especially if you're struggling in your marriage because they have specific topics like how to fight well or they talk about sex, they talk about kids, they talk about all these things. Um, and they're a married couple. And they're kind of doing what we're doing and chatting about it. But I remember uh, they were talking about uh, fighting on the way to church. <laughs> like you're in this super big argument, and then oh, church, we're at church. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> turn Put it your off. Happy face yeah. on. But yeah. just about how that going to church would even help them to see their disagreement in a new light. They would look at it differently. 
Mm. I mean, taking communion with somebody makes you think a little bit differently about your yeah. your fight. <coughs> yeah. Well, I remember yeah. in COVID when we were watching the church services at home and you, Tim, had us like confess our sins to like one another. That was, yeah. <laughs> you know, like that that's was a nice. important piece. Mm. Yeah. You know, just like yeah. practicing that with each other. Just apologize that this has been a really long week of distance learning. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, yeah. Good. Uh, well, I think one other question we might address or try to address is, you know, what's difficult about the picture of Christian marriage? And we're talking about this now that why does Satan hate Christian marriage in particular? Well, because Christian marriage is a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of Jesus and the church. And so we're imitating that. And and so if, if Satan can put some, some black ink on the image of Christ in the church, he's going to do that. And so is there anything in that picture or, you know, in particular in Ephesians 5, it says, you know, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Um, has there is that a challenge, or has there been some growth as you contemplate these things? And a little side note: What's it like to be, you know, fully submitted to such sanctified men? <laughs> <laughs> that was a great dad joke. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah. Um, well, so I was talking to John about this since he was preaching about it. He's like, you know, he sometimes discusses his sermon ideas with me and we're kind of wrestling with it together. And I'm like, oh, it's, it's a, it's a weird concept. I don't know. How do you know if you're submitting and how do you know if you're not? And, um, it's definitely not an oppressive situation. It's not the way that some generations or historically, you know, have, men have treated their wives or just men have treated women in general. That's not something we're trying to imitate. Um, and we, you know, can repent of all of that, but what, so what does a healthy submission relationship look like? And I'm, you know, it's easy. I, I don't know. I haven't personally had a really hard time with it. Um, well, didn't we talk about how like it's functioning well when you don't talk about it? <laughs> when it's not co- doesn't come up all right. the time. Right. And so I was thinking about an example from our marriage where, you know, I have, you know, the the head role, the leadership role in the family, but how you're we are doing this in a complementary way. So I had a call to a church once uh years ago and and I was in a season in ministry where um because of some financial situation kind of stuff, I thought, well, maybe this is what I need to do. I need to take this call clear across the other side of the country and we went out and visited and I think in my mind like I was trying to see how maybe it would come together uh but then I think you were like no I don't think so yeah (laughs) and so I kind of went I went into the woods of Connecticut for a whole day and just kind of uh I was lost in the woods yeah (laughs) 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 to quote uh the song from Frozen 2 but uh, great song, by the way. I love the 80s it twist. It is they did very good. The best uh, one. But um, I, I just took the whole day to kind of think and pray about it. And one of the things that was kind of a, an important thing for me in loving you was to say, if I'm not going to take this call if you're not okay with it, because I'm not going to blow my marriage up. I'm not going to put strain on my relationship with you because of ministry. 
because there's plenty of other strains with ministry um, relationship wise and so and so I came home and I said I bet you were like oh my gosh <laughs> yeah well because and I said I don't think we should do it and you're like oh. yeah that was a huge relief because my attitude was I didn't want to boss you around because that's where the yeah that's where the um, instruction gets flipped and you know maybe our culture wants women to be the head actually mm-hmm. um, and I don't want to be that I don't want to be a boss to you and boss you around and tell you what you need to do but at the same time I I'm not going to just sit there and say, whatever you think, I'm going to talk to you Well, and I've realized that one of, this it. is why I talked to Kelly about my sermons is because mm. Kelly's a really critical thinker and she asks a lot of questions that maybe I don't want to ask. <laughs> and so when we sat down and debriefed it, like you had a lot of really good valid reasons for why it wasn't good for our family to, to take that call. And I'm so thankful that we didn't and that we remained in wonderful congregation that we were in for about five more years. And so I guess that we weren't really talking in the language of of submit or love, but I wanted to love you and I didn't want to, I wouldn't be loving you as my wife if I would have said, well, guess what? We're packing up and moving west, you know? (laughs) Right, and I wouldn't have been loving you if I would have just said, oh, no, you're not (laughs) over my dead body. We'll stay here while you go. (laughs) That's trusting he has the best interest, your best interest in mind, trusting Mm -hmm. and and respecting that decision also. Usually when I talk about this to, like, couples I'm counseling, I'll usually talk through through Ephesians 5, and that word in submission is a military word. You know, it just means come under the authority of or come under the care of. And, you know, the word has a very toxic overtone. You think of like patriarchy and misogyny and all these bad things. And and some actual, like you mentioned, like some real abuses of that kind of headship. Um, And that's not what the Bible's saying. You know, the Mm -hmm. Bible's saying, first of all, if you get this wrong, look at the picture of Christ in the church. That's what we're talking about. Well, also Christ's relationship with God, too. And like how Jesus submitted himself to the will of the Father, mm-hmm. like in the garden. So it can't be a negative only term because Jesus is doing it mm-hmm. right um, in a particular mm-hmm. setting too. Mm-hmm. Jesus, who is equal to the Father, mm-hmm. is submitting to the Father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not, and it's not a, um, it's not a matter of equality, right, it's, or inequality, because male and female together bear the image of God. Uh, in Genesis. And so it's this kind of, it is a mystery. And it's more it's, like a dance. There you go. It's a dance. Yes, it's a dance. I like that. Is it a square visual. dance? Or is it like Yeah, what a, kind of dance? It's a, wa- it's a it's ballroom. It's not a break dance. dance. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it's a different kind of dance in every it's different kind of off. season. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. It's a dance off. Sometimes it feels like a break dance. Yeah. <laughs> a dance off. <laughs> so that's a good one, John. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think that sometimes, uh, I think both of these exhortations in Scripture um, are really only, practically, they're only as good as the heart that hears them. So I think that maybe that idea of submission has gotten a bad rap because when insecure men hear that, it becomes a way for them to be domineering and really insecure rather than devoting themselves 
unconditionally to loving their wives, mm. uh, which is not domineering. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a picture of Jesus, right? Yeah. And I his love. I think sometimes women, they were grasping for control, you know, especially when there's a lot of other things out of our control, trying to control our husbands, <laughs> you know, is, can seem appealing, you know, and that's not healthy either. Mm-hmm. You know, th- it's giving control over to God, too. I think um, one of the effects as on me, because there's been several times in our marriage where you've just said, you know, like when we went to seminary, um, you said, okay, I'll go with you. <laughs> you know, and it was like very humbling because it's like, man, if I'm wrong, she's trusting me and mm-hmm. she's going to pay the consequence too. And so it's a, it's a very humbling thing. And it kind of makes me get on my game a little bit, like making sure that calls you to a higher standard. It does. Yeah. yeah Cause mm-hmm. I'm going to do this and, uh, and I can't afford to be wrong. Um, because there's people depending on me, my wife, and then my children too. Um, and so I think it, it has an interesting effect on men to say, okay, whatever, you know, if you think this is right, I'm going to trust you in this. It's like, oh man, I better be right. Yeah. <laughs> I better be thinking well about this, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, see if we um, have any other questions we want to do. It's, I, I love hanging out with you guys. Yeah. I get to hang out with you later. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Cause we live together. We live together. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's convenient. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind, I'll just say one more thing. I feel like I've been talking a lot, but. That's okay. Go I'm here. <laughs> you asked me <laughs> to come and talk. Yeah. Um, I feel like the key thing for marriage is forgiveness. Like, if you can't remember anything else, you know, like if you're like caught up in, um, you know, the day to day, and like you're just on overload, if we can just remember to forgive each other because we know that we're going to be sinning against each other and to expect mm-hmm. that. And I feel like that's a countercultural message because I, at least in my growing up experience, got the message that I deserve so much. I deserve the best guy who's going to treat me like I'm a princess and a queen. And anytime he doesn't, Oh, I best let him know. <laughs> and, um, and don't take any crap from anybody. And I don't know that that is really the message I'm supposed to be living out and that um, I gotta check myself when I think that way. And if I can just remember like all of this, all of scripture, you know, is about forgiveness and to just continue to come back to that. Like, can I forgive you of this? Mm -hmm. Can we move forward? And can I focus more on me forgiving you instead of you coming up to whatever standard I have of you or instead of, you know, yeah, just trying to manipulate the situation. Mm-hmm. Well, it's humbling too to, to, to realize how imperfect we are. Mm-hmm. I talked about this in the sermon that I thought I was a pretty selfless kind person, but then like marriage is the weaving together of two sinful people, mm-hmm. uh, their lives and, and it's going to be the best and, and also the worst. And, and so there are things that, like, I've learned about myself, like, oh, wow. I say that I'm going to do things and then don't do them. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> you know? And I realize how irritating huh, that is. 
yeah. and it yeah. matters yeah. yeah it does yeah, yeah but yeah to just come back to forgiveness if you can just if you can forgive your spouse then you can get through whatever it is that you're dealing with right now hmm. you have some mm-hmm. some empathy for the other sinner in the room Yes. I think along with that, just having those Christian relationships with people of the same gender, you know, like mm-hmm. I think that is huge when, um, you know, I'm in a women's small group regularly studying God's word together and um, we're praying for our husbands. We may or may not lament every once in a while, <laughs> but like, no, it's a great way to like encourage each other in the scripture and in marriage also. And then just having those mentor relationships have been really helpful for you, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Having guys you yeah. can talk to. Critical. Keep yeah. It, keeping and each uh, accountability, too. Right. Because I think just because you're married, you still need accountability. And some of that can come from your spouse, but some of that can't. It needs to come from other relationships. Yeah. And I can honor my relationship with John, my marriage, but I can also honor your relationship Megan and Tim, mm-hmm. when I'm encouraging Megan in your relationship, and Megan can do the same for me mm-hmm. if I'm talking to her about and being honest with somebody I trust. Mm-hmm. That, you know, if I talk to you about a struggle or something, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm dealing with, and then you aren't just going to sit there and be like, oh, what a jerk, <laughs> you know, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. You know, if yeah. you're encouraging me mm-hmm. to, you know, to forgive or to seek out, you know, a closer Mm. relationship with my husband. I think that's something that it's not just isolated. My relationship with John is not just about him and me. It's not just between him and me, you know, it's, it's something that the whole church can care for and Mm. build up. And Mm. that's, that's important. I don't think that we think of it that way sometimes. We kind of see it as isolated, right? Like, well, mm -hmm. that's their relationship, not mine. Yeah, and you don't want to get in the middle of it, don't want to talk to them about it, but that's when it feels very isolating, Mm -hmm. too, and that's not a good place to be. And then we can watch each other's kids, too, so we can go out on dates. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. We're there for each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, good. Well, this has been awesome. Yeah, Um, thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you for coming. Yeah, it was fun. We'll do it again sometime. Maybe we can... uh, We'll have some deep, complex theological topic, and we'll <laughs> yeah. invite you guys in, yeah, and, and wrestle anytime, with it. Anytime, anytime you voices. can find somebody to watch the kids, we'll <laughs> be there. Actually, William said, "Will I get to be on the podcast Ooh. sometime?" Oh, and I said, "Well, that might be." We are fun. we are doing a sermon on being a child. <gasps> Maybe we should interview our kids. That'd be kind of chaotic. That would either go really <laughs> well or not well at all. Yeah. <laughs> but either way, it would be entertaining. It would be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That would be awesome. <laughs> I'm going to seriously think about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, thanks for coming along um, for our podcast. And we pray, our prayer, genuine prayer, is that this would be useful to you in your marriage. We pray that it's uplifting to you and that you also know that you're not alone in your marriage and your um, your struggles in marriage and your joys in marriage too. So God be with you, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Every Moment His. Bye.